Welcome to Talks at GS, where leading thinkers share insights and ideas shaping the world. This session of Talks at GS was recorded before a live audience. I have the pleasure today of introducing Zhang Lei. Zhang Lei is the founder and CEO of Hill House Capital, Gaoling. Hill House was one of the first investors in China to invest in the internet space and is today considered one of the most successful managers of funds in the world. Since founding the company in 2005, with $20 million of seed capital from Yale University Endowment, Lei has grown Hill House funds to over $60 billion in 15 years. Please join me in welcoming Zhang Lei. Okay, so with that as a start, let's go back to the days when you were in school. And as I understand, you actually was an entrepreneur, even at the age of seven, <laughs> renting comic books. So what do you think of entrepreneurship? Is that something you can learn? Or is that in it? When I started off my business, and I had no idea what I wanted to do. But, uh, but uh, when I got this, only one investor who believed in the vision. The vision was, you know, just do things that you think make sense. Unfortunately, in this world, many things don't make that much sense. <laughs> so that's actually a pretty high bar. But first, say, you only do small, uh, early stage venture. I think, uh, well, on one hand, you could argue that we have the most flexible mandate in the world, but on the other hand, I would say we have very high bar that you have to do things that make sense, that you truly believe in. I think that's point one of entrepreneurship, doing something you truly believe in, not because other people are doing it, or not because it's hot. It's somewhere like, uh, uh, because uh, uh, everybody wants to be in the game. Uh, you know, second, I was, I was born in a small town called Zuma Dian in Henan province. So my home is actually pretty close to the train station, so we got a bunch of kids sit together renting comic book to the people who are waiting the train station <laughs> when we were kids. You know, you, you rent five books, you can get one, uh, um, uh, some street food afterwards. <laughs> so, uh, uh, you know, uh, fortunately back then, the business was doing well because Chinese train were always uh, slow, late. <laughs> always late. <laughs> uh, so not like today, right? Yeah. So, uh, but you know, looking back, I think the just whole, you know, how much change and how many new opportunities being created in China over the last thirty years—it's unbelievable. And you can talk about the opportunities, but I think the one thing I want to focus on is really about the people, the drive, the energy that people want to do something, change, and, and change for the future, change for the better. So I've always been inspired by the entrepreneurs' relentless pursuit on what they believe in. And did you have that element, that quality, in you at an early age, where you're hungry, you wanted to go for you know, change, and is that in you earlier on in your years, or did you learn it from someone else? Uh, 
it depends on who you ask. <laughs> if you ask my mom, she, you know. <laughs> you learn it from her. Yeah, right. Um, but um, but I I I I I think I I don't I just I don't know. I I I wasn't a great student when I was in up until a year before the college entrance examination. So I wasn't sure if I wanted to, what I wanted to do when I was in college and graduate school, and. Um, but there was something that really got me interested is really, I just feel much more connected with people who have a lot of passion in what they do. And that turned out to be entrepreneurship. So Lei, let's just go to Hill House, right? So Hill House, the name came from the street where when you were working at Yale Endowment, it was called Hill House Street, as I understand. But in Chinese, Gaoling, means where you're standing tall, standing high, looking at a commanding position and down, and so you can see very wide. So is that affecting how you're making investments? What type of investment strategies are you adapting? Is it the East or the West? Well, we would argue that it's a good combination of the uh, Western philosophy and, uh, and also the particularly some of the investing principles and the uh, Chinese philosophy. Uh, you know, uh, here I don't have to uh, tell you all those uh, Western philosophy, particularly I learned at Yale uh, about being a long-term investor, being uh, thoughtful and being equity orientation, really believe in entrepreneurship. But when you think about the Eastern philosophy that uh, the Chinese philosophers I talked about, you know, how Taoism, believe in the uh, you know really only uh, and Buddhism that believe in there's you know thousands of drops of water. You only need one bottle to quest your thirst, yeah. right? So, and uh, uh, the uh, they are uh, also the Siji, uh, you know, like Sima uh, Qian, uh, like uh, Chronicle of Times that talked about the idea of uh, uh, the trees of the pear trees don't talk but people beat their past to find them. So if you do good things, do great things, uh, entrepreneurs will uh, find you and you know, work with you. you know, that's how Hill House is set up. I think it's interesting. We manage $60 billion. Our investment team actually is relatively small. We have how many people do you have? 40, 45 people, relatively speaking, for our size. The reason why is we don't have a massive coverage team. We believe you do the right things, you build your reputation, you stand up for the value that you believe in, and uh, entrepreneurs will be their path to find you. So I think that's, that's a similar philosophy. Um, that also helped me to keep being stay grounded, to be a true entre entrepreneur and true investor, so that I don't just become a pure manager. So those are the thinking behind uh, how we build the organization that to look for things that are meaningful to what I believe. Yes, and, and Lei, let's just look at, you know, you look at thousands of companies a year, you picked select number of companies that you think will be the winners in the future. What qualities are you looking for in people that attract you, and what qualities do you avoid when you're making investments? Well, I think you can talk, uh, there are many great qualities, you know, that, the uh, persistence and uh, smart and uh, 
really teamwork, all those, uh, I think there are so many things we can talk about, and, uh, um, and most of them are not mutually exclusive. Uh, but I would emphasize a couple of things. One is the uh, empathy, I think the ability to connect with people who are different from you. And uh, I think that we see great entrepreneurs somehow will always have that unbelievable empathy to their customers, to their employees, even to their competitors. And the best entrepreneur not necessarily view competitors as a zero-sum game. And they think about how competitors are together to nurture the market. I think that having that vision, uh, what I, in Chinese, I think there's a better word for it called a guan. <laughs> I don't know how to translate. It's like you can read the room, right? They can read the, the world. Yeah, you that, can see that, the trend. You know, I look for that guan, you know, like whatever the word, how to say that in English. Yes. But I'm just looking for that. I think that's ability to say, you know what? Uh, even my competitors, I can view them as very positive forces to my business. Yes. So that's, I would say, that's something I particularly uh, appreciate. And uh, secondly, I would say that, uh, that building a, you know, uh, uh, the, the lifetime learner, somebody who just loves learning, not because I want to learn to make the most money, just because I love learn to be a better person every day. So I see the best entrepreneurs just amazing learners, even though they hold the success of the art, keep on learning, you know, just intellectual cures, and they're so driven, not by uh, necessarily scores of victories, but because of the nature of learning and, and the ability to pursue the truth and finding out about the truth. Obviously, also added with the humility that pursuing truth, but also knowing that I never always own the truth, but always wanted to be one step closer to the truth. I think having that. Finally, I would say a, a person who can build a culture, so that the culture, I've seen many different types of cultures in Chinese companies, and some of them you can say like a, a wolf, could be a lone wolf or wolf pack, but it's a wolf, wolf culture. Yeah. Wolf culture. <laughs> wolf culture is very aggressive and win at whatever cost. But you have the other side, it's like family culture. Oh, everybody's a family member. Um, very nice, you know, like feeling good. <laughs> um, but I'm not sure those are the two cultures I particularly like the most. The culture that attracts me the most of organization is the entrepreneur able to build a culture like a sport team. It's like, I want to win. It's not like, oh, I'm family, everybody feels good, you know? It's like, I want to win, but I want to win in the sports arena, play by fair play, play by rules, play by team. And also knowing that I can lose in any particular game, but I can be better next game. That's just hard. I see that. I start to see that develop by the newer entrepreneurs to have that sports team culture. That's what I'm looking for. So I'm looking for the empathy, lifetime learner, and a culture of sports team. You have a lot of very exciting examples about the changes that you're investing into. So first of all, the first question is, 
what are the changes you're seeing that are happening? What are the trends you're observing? And second, how are your portfolio companies or invest, investee companies investing in change? Yeah, the, the, one of the most exciting things of investing in China is that you're always embracing changes. And, and one of the most fascinating changes in the past have been on the consumer internet. I think uh, if you look at the evolution of the Chinese technology companies, the first wave come from, you know, pitch internet companies, the likes of Baidu, Tencent, Alibaba, the BATs. But you're really looking at the core uh, essence of the BATs, they are really just uh, the connecting. So you know, Baidu connecting people and the information, Alibaba connecting people and the goods, and Tencent connecting people and people. And you could argue that in today's world, you know, maybe Total connects you to uh, people and information in a different manner so instead of search-based, recommendation-based. Or you could say Meituan connects you beyond goods now into services. But in essence, it's about a connection and making that connection work. I think now we're entering into the really the second wave, what I call the innovation 2.0, is that it's not just about connecting anymore. It's not about internet plus anymore. It's about plus internet. It's about the majority of the Chinese companies who are leveraging technology, internet, AI, to be the innovation drivers. They are traditional companies. They could be traditional companies leveraging SaaS and software. Uh, they could be a pharmaceutical company leveraging biotech and life science. There's just so many more innovation happening uh, beyond the top 10, 20% of companies. So I think that's the, one of the most exciting things you could, in Chinese word, they call the uh, uh, or uh, industrial internet. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that's yes, totally I that's think right. It's right, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure that's the right mm -hmm. word. Okay, so I think the idea is getting innovation to uh, penetrating into all kinds of different businesses and make the traditional businesses and other businesses to be the drivers are very interesting. Can you share with us an example? Because I understand you know, you did a huge acquisition of one of the largest shoe retailer uh, in China called Baili. And so you made a lot of changes there as well, which has to do with technology. Can you share with us that example of, of you know, what you did there and what, what you're seeing the trend is in the marketplace? Sure, sure. So uh, Bell, Bali was in the, uh, well, not in a good ship. When we, you know, you, you think about it, uh, it's a shoe retailer and being eroded by uh, multiple headwind. You know, the internet guys are eating their you know, Alibaba and JD and taking the e-commerce away from the offline retail. And, the, um, and also the whole world is, uh, 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 is moving away to, to a much faster uh, trend of fashion. Uh, you know, the, before we uh, bought it, the company was in a uh, um, uh, decline for like 14, you know, 18 quarters of decline. Uh, now, uh, year three into our ownership, the company had been generating double-digit growth. What happened was, uh, we actually re-look at the company, we see, oh, actually this company has so much assets and data and knowledge and people that they don't necessarily view that as assets. They didn't know that. For example, uh, every day, uh, 
they have you know over 100,000 employees servicing potentially 30 million people visiting uh, over 150 million items being sold in their uh, 20,000 shops throughout China. But this, this is the scale of the business, but all those customers to them are faceless. They don't understand who they are, they don't understand their past behavior, and all those employees and are demoralized because they have to, they basically become just the you know, box movers and feeding the forms. So we're thinking about, we look at this to say, how do we actually make our employees, make our um, you know, store clerk to be the best UI, UE, to be the best interface, user, user interface, interface and user experience? How do we develop tech tools? So we actually uh, using many software companies. Uh, we are now Bell is actually now one of the largest tech buyer of all the software companies. Uh, many of them from our portfolio companies that uh, uh, that uh, helping them to make the employee more productive. As a result, make the consumers feeling more uh, 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 more helpful to the consumers. Right. Uh, one of the examples we talked about is that, uh, you know, for example, that uh, uh, we put some uh, RFID in one of the brand uh, called Sijiatu, uh, which is uh, so that we could know what particular SKU is being viewed and touched let's say 30, day, 30 times a day but no purchase. Never purchased. Yeah. So we know right away to the in the center to know that factory to know, oh, maybe this shoe, this pair of shoes uh, looks sexy but not comfortable to wear. <laughs> we can fix it right away instead of waiting in, until the end of the season and discount it and don't know why. <laughs> so now we can respond much faster. As a result of that, we also brought our internal consulting team, which is a team coming from Danaher. So we, we brought in uh, called a lean manufacturing practice, lean, so that into the bell manufacturing. So, so as a result, we are able to reduce, uh, not reduce the cost. Actually, bell was already amazing, mass scale, low cost producer because they are the world's largest uh, shoe manufacturer. But what they are not as good is how to make it much more flexible manufacturing so that we can produce and, and, and put, into the, uh, put into the stores on every four pairs instead of every 4,000 pairs. So that system help us reduce the inventory time by more than 30 days. That's all capital. That's like our working capital, fresh capital flow. Shorten. Yeah, shorten, yeah then increased uh, helping us using that free cash flow to invest in brand and better quality. And more importantly, we actually have less inventory to discount so that we protect our brand better. So we respond to consumer needs better. This sets the foundation for our future mass customization. Hopefully we will be able to really customize uh, in the future as well. So let's change uh, gear a little bit here. And let's talk about what you do outside of Hill House, which is, or in Hill House for that matter, philanthropy. 
You have a very strong focus on education. We heard about your experience at Yale. You also started Hill House Academy with Rimen University. So share with us what you have been doing in the philanthropy and why education as a special focus for you. I think there are no better thing of investing than investing in education. We said always, we always said that on investing uh, at a Hill House level, we always, when we're joking internally saying the best investment, the investment that you don't need to think about exit. I think there are no, education exactly like that. Because you can just keep on compounding with human capital that people can really invest in education the best way uh, that we can actually bring up the next generation. And particularly relevant to today when there's so much technology uh, gap uh, uh, between who have and have not. And actually one of the reasons I'm here is yesterday, we, uh, two days ago we were, I was in Hangzhou with uh, uh, our uh, uh, board meeting at the West Lake University, which we Xihu uh, Xihu mm -hmm. which we uh, 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 I was a founding donor, and we uh, started. And uh, I wanted to mention West Lake because this is a new phenomena, and that within I'm the chairman of the development committee of the board. Also, within a couple of years, we were able to raise over almost like. Five billion RMB from the Chinese entrepreneurs. It's like almost like 800, 900 million US dollars. Actually, if you count on the other committee capital, it's over a billion dollars. Very short period of time. And able to do that, I'm, I'm signaling that Chinese entrepreneurs, Chinese entrepreneurs are young, most of them haven't thought about this, uh, but I'm signaling the, the potential of change from uh, being a dynastic culture to the culture of fee, you know, able to give back and building the community and, uh, and uh, doing contribution. I think there's so many things that the early entrepreneurs who made successful uh, in their, be successful in their career and also be the role model for the future of uh, philanthropy. So with that, thank you very much, Lei, for your very precious time and for being here with us today. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you, thank you. This podcast was recorded on April 16th, 2019. This podcast should not be copied, distributed, published, or reproduced in whole or in part or disclosed by any recipient to any other person. The information contained in this podcast does not constitute a recommendation from any Goldman Sachs entity to the recipient. Neither Goldman Sachs nor any of its affiliates makes any representation or warranty, express or implied, as to the accuracy or completeness of the statements or any information contained in this podcast and any liability, therefore, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage, is expressly disclaimed. The views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of Goldman Sachs, and Goldman Sachs is not providing any financial, economic, legal, accounting, or tax advice or recommendations in this podcast. In addition, the receipt of this podcast by any recipient is not to be taken as constituting the giving of investment advice by Goldman Sachs to that recipient, nor to constitute such person a client of any Goldman Sachs entity.